0: if we're always just tapping into hunger, because hunger is the key to weight loss and to being slim, then that's all we need to do. And instead we bury our heads in, oh, I need to be gluten free, or oh, I need to either be fasting or I need to be always grazing, or I need to be this and that. Mm -hmm. And we totally miss the point, which is like, why don't you just wait until you're hungry, have something that you like and then move on. And it sounds so simple, But the good news is, is we're all innately built for that. And so I always like to say it's like a relearning. It's not like a a learning. I'm not teaching you anything that you don't already know because it's this innate knowing within the body of like, oh, it can be this simple. I just wait
1: for hunger. I'm like, "Mm mm-hmm. It's kind (laughs) of like the body's intelligence. Hi, everybody, it's Kat Sadler, and this is It Sure Is a Beautiful Day. I've spent decades in TV broadcasting and conducted hundreds, if not thousands of interviews in the span of my career. And on this show, the conversations continue. My goal is that every episode feels entirely brand new, but also like coming home. Let's get into it. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the show. Happy Tuesday. It sure is a beautiful day. And I want to get this out of the way right now. Um, Do I sound funny? I do not have full use of my jaw at the moment. (laughs) And I've been in bed recovering from my surgery for the last week. So bear with me. I'm in some pain. I'm having some teeth, jaw, numbing, paralysis of sorts. See, I can't even talk, you guys. Oh my God. Because I did it. I did what I was teasing and telling you I would be doing, which was a major cosmetic surgery. I got a facelift, y'all. I got a facelift. I got a neck lift. And I got my eyes done. So yeah, there's that and there is so much to talk about in that regard, what's been going on for the last week and if you could see me now, oh Lord, I don't think you'd want to see me now. I've got bandages, I've got bruising, I've got some blood <laughs> Healing on my face and emotionally, it's been such a roller coaster. So, stay tuned for the whole story. I'm documenting so much of this on my Midlife and Me series. So, if you'd like to come along for the ride, I encourage you to do that. The link is in my Instagram profile, it's on my website, thecatwalk.com. But, huge apologies because I almost have this little like lisp as you can hear because I don't have full range of motion with my mouth. There's <sighs> so much to tell you guys. I have so much to share. And so if you are considering having this type of surgery, if you have questions, I am literally going through every step of it for you and sharing my own experiences And I don't even want to give you the headline. I'm going to wait and give you the headline because I have just so much to say already. So again, as I'm recording this, it's day seven of my recovery, but I wanted to get you this conversation today because it's so fascinating, so interesting. I am sitting down with intuitive eating coach Kiki Athanas. I feel like this conversation speaks to so many different women what is intuitive eating? How do you incorporate it into your life? Why do you even want to? Well, Let me ask you some of these questions. Do you find yourself obsessing about food all day? Are you one of those people? Do you have maybe a toxic relationship with food? Are you one of those people who are always thinking about your next meal and kind of obsessing? Maybe you're one of those people who is constantly trying to restrict your calories so you're always in your head about it and you're measuring your caloric intake every single day, like almost a slave to the food. Maybe you're one of those women who are binging and then you're regretting the food that you're eating. Our personal relationship with food has so much to do with our overall health. It has so much to do with how we feel about our bodies. It has so much to do with how we feel in our skin. Kiki is the shit. So Kiki is a women's health coach. She's a gut brain expert. She's a co-founder of a functional adaptogenic supplements brand, but she's basically helped so many women get their eating dilemmas sorted out once and for all. So she's in the business of transforming lives, helping people find food freedom. This is so interesting. It's such an important conversation. I hope you'll press play and listen to the whole thing because it just gets better and better and better. So I'm gonna hmm, do what I do, get out the way now and let you hear this conversation where we talk about orthorexia. We touch on Ozempic, by the way, and at the end, really just all about our relationship with our bodies. So don't worry about me. I'm going to be back here next week with my solo episode talking again about this highly intense and, frankly, difficult last week of my life, which is going to continue here for another couple weeks. So if you've wondered why I haven't been on IG, I've been so MIA. I'm trying to just focus on my own body, my own health, my own mind, my own face. (laughs) but I'm okay. I'm okay. I've been surrounded by so many friends and my love Greg and my dearest Catalina and Jay-Z made me some homemade soup and my kids have been awesome. And I think this is going to have a really, really, really happy ending when I can get to the other side of this healing. So I'm going to be transparent with you. I am going to tell you the truth why I find it is so important to disclose or share or reveal what it is we're actually doing when it comes to beauty and cosmetic procedures and cosmetic surgeries. I won't be lying to y'all. Instead, I'm giving you every raw, gory detail. Okay, on to the episode, on to the conversation with Kiki Athanas. Enjoy. But sure is a beautiful day just meeting you, you after corresponding on thank emails you. and watching your work and kind of oh. the service really you are doing for so many people. So thank thanks you. for making the trip literally from Mexico City. Am I exaggerating wow. or kind of sort of? No, no,
0: no. I made the trip for you, girl, and it's an honor. <laughs> so thank you for opening your your door to me.
1: <laughs> well, you know, maybe let's just start with like the basics, you know. One could say you are an intuitive eating coach or, you know, you're a a mentor in many ways. You're teaching so many... I don't know if it's mostly women, but people in general about their relationship with food. So how would you describe what it is that you do?
0: Yeah, so I usually do describe it as an intuitive eating coach. With that said, my clients or those who know me a little bit more intimately, I actually don't really subscribe to the typical intuitive eating approach only because it always kind of scared me. I felt like for a lot of people, they hear intuitive eating or mindful eating, and there's this air of kind of surrendering into like, oh, I'm going to give up my passion for wellness or for really caring about what I eat. And from myself, I came from the perspective of, I was always very hyper-focused on food, and Mm. there's a term for it now, orthorexia, which is this obsession with clean eating. And so for me, intuitive eating felt like completely going the other way where it was like oh now i don't care about mm-hmm. how i eat mm. and i feel like what i do is i really merge both i i honor that yes we we can make healthy choices and we can be intentional about what we eat but we can also do it from a feeling based place and yeah. so my work is really about activating and almost surrendering to this our gut brains and letting food choices come from this feeling-based place versus a head-brain place. And again, that sounds kind of woo-woo or, you know, it can sound a little vague and fluffy, but I try to incorporate as as much structure and boundaries and a framework, especially for women that are just getting into this work. So it doesn't feel like, oh my God, intuitive eating. Like, I don't know if I can do that. I try to make it as structured as possible while also honoring our bio-individuality.
1: Oh my God. I think you explained that brilliantly, actually. Thank you. I do it differently every time. Well, <laughs> you nailed it because I think you summarized that really, really well. Thank and, you. you know, you were speaking, girl, to somebody who... I'm so turned on by everything you're saying. And while personally, I don't think I've had any full-on fixations, I think for most of my life, my my relationship with food has been pretty healthy. I'm like most though. I had some periods that I can recall and we'll share here in a minute, but but. That's so interesting because I think people listening, I think this topic is so interesting. I think the wellness industry and what is just kind of coming at us all the time is so interesting. Yeah. I think social media and the part it plays in this is so interesting. Yeah. So before we kind of tackle all of that and really, really break it down and talk about you know, some of the things you really do with your clients, I would love to just know a little bit more about you. Like, where do you yeah. come from? How did this begin? What's your own story? Because I do know that your business was born out of some of your own, as you just mentioned. Absolutely. Not hang-ups necessarily, but- Oh, hangups. Okay, yeah. hangups, <laughs> hang-ups with food. So, so what kind of little girl were you? How, what was your childhood like? And, and what were your first memories of food? Yeah. So thank you for asking. Well, when I was younger, when I was a
0: kid, I think that I had a really healthy relationship to food, to be honest. And I think for a lot of us, we actually do when we're children or, you know, kind of before we're infiltrated with social media and all these different influences. We just eat what we like and then we eat it as much as feels good to us and we move on with our life. And I think it was about when I was about 18 when that became a little bit distorted. I I was a little bit of a bigger child. I went through puberty and got the classic, you know, puppy fat thing going on. And then I went to university and that's when I began really exploring wellness more, working out, eating healthy, and started losing weight and became slimmer. And obviously, as a female millennial, that worked very well for me. That was great. I was like, I love all this attention. And then I felt like, okay, here we go. My passion is wellness. My passion is health and recipes. And my first job out of university was with a health tech startup. And I just felt like perfect. Like I found my my path in life and being quite an A-type person, quite anal, I took it to this, this extreme that is funny to say, you know, I made being healthy unhealthy. Mm-hmm. And I just took it so far that I felt like I I was really torn because I had this identity around like being a health and wellness expert. And I took all these different courses in in health, in naturopathic medicine, in herbal medicine. I even started a, a supplements company. We had the first adaptogen gummy in Canada. Wow. And but deep down, I felt like. I was living a lie because Mm -hmm. it began to consume me in a way that was no longer healthy. Um, And then that's when I sort of learned about this, this new way. But yeah, I mean, I still feel like I feel like I'm getting back to my roots around. I just genuinely have always been interested in how can I better my life? How can I be happier, healthier, and dare I say it, like more beautiful, more attractive. And Mm -hmm. I feel like now it's not okay to say that. But that was always my passion. I've always liked beautiful things and beautiful places
1: and feeling beautiful. And Mm. it's a beautiful day. Here I am. It's come full circle. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's all intertwined, isn't it? Like if we feel beautiful, we often look beautiful. We radiate beauty when we're feeling beautiful. Exactly. During those times when it became extreme for you, and while you had the best of intentions, it sounds like it was like becoming almost an obsession in many ways. What what was kind of the lowest or the most kind of outrageous part of that for you? Like how did it present in you personally?
0: Yes, so, okay, so here's the deal. It consumed my thoughts for years and I knew that that was not necessarily healthy, but to be honest, Kat, I was getting all the benefits still of like, well, I'm slim, I'm eating healthy, everyone's giving me good attention. So I don't really see a problem to be fixed here. Mm -hmm. Um, It wasn't until I started developing IBS, I was then starting to gain weight, even though I was hardly eating or I was only eating like the kale salads. And yet I was, you know, storing this excess fat. I started losing my hair. There were certain things where I was like, okay, now I'm ready to solve it. It was really the IBS where I was just not digesting food anymore that then I knew I was like, at this point, I'm willing to just eat normally and and be a normal person. Like I had never gotten to that stage where I was like, oh my goodness, I'm I almost am, I'm willing to give up here. And 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 that seems to be the common theme for for most women that I work with. It's in it's when they either start gaining weight or just can no longer digest food because there's so much inflammation in the gut, which comes from, you know, our thoughts and our actions that are then causing this inflammation in the gut. And then they're like, okay, I can't, I can't do this anymore. I need to find another way.
1: That's a really big piece what you said, Mm -hmm. which I think maybe, or a a lot of people don't make that connection about inflammation because that's a word that we hear a lot about. And you know, I, I actually have just been doing this deep dive. I've met with a naturopathic doctor and she tested my urine and my feces yeah. recently. So yeah. I'm trying to take inventory just to to get a picture of my health. Because yeah. I, I think also when you get older, like you start to care more and more deeply about like how you feel every day because you're not 25 anymore. So you have yeah. that on top of everything else. Yeah. But inflammation is a word that comes up a lot. And we know that people are suffering, especially yeah. Americans. Is it also diet or is it the stressors like you're mentioning, the the brain piece also emotions? Like what causes inflammation and why is it bad for us? Totally. So it's so interesting. If you would have asked me
0: this years ago when I was just healing this, I would have been like – it's not diet. Don't worry. Like it it fully is the thoughts in mm. our head and more of that energetic component. I've now come to a place, I think once we heal our relationship with food, where we can look at both factors. Mm-hmm. And of course, it's it's food and it's also our thoughts and our actions. And so here's the deal. I I approach it with we need to first Look at the thoughts that are going on in our head, and because of that gut-brain connection, and our actions and our circumstances, who we're hanging out with, all of these things, and then we can look to food as you know this other factor. It's mm-hmm. another element that we can mm-hmm. consider, and I think that. More of that perspective needs to be brought to the wellness world because I think whenever women or, or anyone struggles with any sort of gut issue, it's like, oh, let's look at the food. Must be the gluten, must be the dairy, must be this. Mm-hmm. And we sort of bypass the whole like, oh, well, what are the thoughts that you're thinking first thing when you wake up? Or are you you know thinking as you're eating something that it's going to cause damage Because then it will, right? And it's interesting because once you heal your relationship to food, I mean, now I I do eat some dairy, I do eat some gluten. Does it have the same effect on me as it did before when I was in this constant state of stress? Absolutely not. I can handle it. Now, that doesn't mean that. I'm going to, you know, binge on, I don't know, like McDonald's or something. (laughs) But it does mean that if I have something that's, you know, quote unquote, not healthy, it doesn't have the same effect on me. So I think that it's just important to recognize all factors versus one or the other, right? And it's the same thing with we can't just look at the thoughts. If we're, you know, happy and positive, but eating completely processed garbage, we're not going to feel our best either. So again, it's the balance, which is never, it's it's not, balance isn't sexy. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Like we want to just be like, yeah. oh, it's like just the food or yeah. let me just focus on this. And unfortunately
1: it's the boring, you know, solution of like, well, it's a little bit of everything. Yes. <laughs> but I think you're pointing out something so important because I don't know that everybody has made that connection. I don't think you have to have quote unquote food challenges or food issues mm-hmm. to at least entertain the idea that oh wait a minute how i think and view and or value or don't think or yeah. the amount i think or thoughts are connected to our health and absolutely. i subscribe fully to what you were saying do some people think that is absolutely crazy oh Absolutely. And it's so
0: interesting because there's just hard science that backs up what I'm saying in the sense of I'm trying to think of the best study. There's one where they gave two sets of people the exact same smoothie and they told one subset of people, "Okay, this is super healthy, low calorie smoothie. It was quite a while ago in the sense of when low calorie was considered good and high calorie was considered bad. Now, of course, that's like there's a different sort of thinking around that, but yeah. for the point of the the example. And then they gave the another set of, of people the exact same smoothie. And they said, this one's high calorie and very bad for you. It's like very unhealthy. Right. And then they tested, they, I guess, did some research on right after they ate the smoothie. And the people that were given the quote unquote low calorie smoothie were then hungrier afterwards. They said that they felt, you know, more energized, but then, but then hungry soon after. And then the people that were given the quote unquote, unhealthy, high calorie smoothie. Their hunger was suppressed for longer. They they had mm. guilt around what they ate. Their blood sugar was, was actually raised, like elevated blood sugar levels versus the other group. This is the exact same smoothie. Wow. And so it goes to show if you have fear or judgment around what you're eating, It's not only just in your mind, like you can actually affect your glucose levels, like all of these different markers. And so, with that said, it's like, wouldn't it just be better to one, eat the foods that taste good to you and feel good about it and be present with it? And again, that can sound a little bit fluffy, but when you do it consistently and when you, you know, consistently show up for yourself and make these feeling based decisions, you're giving yourself what you need and you're reducing your stress levels, which also helps you guess what? Like if you have excess weight, lose the weight. Or, you know, if you have sort of messed up hormones, it helps them to to rebalance. Mm. So, yeah, it is. It's proven. Wow.
1: But- <laughs> so fascinating. Hey, friends, you looking for meals that are ready to eat? maybe deliver to your door, and actually help you look and feel your absolute best? Sakara is the answer, and it's so much more than just a meal delivery program. Sakara is a nutrition program that's like having a nutritionist and a chef all in one. Their meals are expertly designed to support your goals, whatever they may be, from weight management to clearer skin, boosted energy— and I am here to report they are also delicious. I've been one of the OG Sakara Life Girls from way back in the day when this company was launched. I love everything they stand for. I can attest to the quality of the meals, how good I feel when I'm eating them. I'm on the Sakara grind this week as you are hearing this. I believe in Sakara. I believe it can help you feel your absolute best in your body. Again, Sakara brings expertly designed organic nutrition programs and wellness essentials right your door. Their science backed, ready to eat meals deliver results you can see and feel from weight management and eased bloat to boosted energy and clearer skin. And right now, ding, 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 Sakara is offering you guys, my ABD listeners, 20% off your first order when you go to sakara.com. Use my code CAT. That's sakara.com. Use my code CAT to get 20% off your first order. That's S A K A R A dot com. Use code CAT to get 20% off your first order. So, you have identified a solution mm-hmm. for a lot, a lot of people. Mm-hmm. The getting there, I'm yeah. sure, depends on the people and, and, probably a lot of your clients obviously are really struggling because they, they're they seeking help for their own issues. Yeah. It's interesting. I was talking with one of my dear friends right before you got here because she's like in our friend group, she's she's the food obsessed, like yeah. food obsessed. And <laughs> like, I literally, I was like, guess who's coming? Kiki's coming. Guess what she does for a living? And And, and I said, I didn't want to make her feel bad, but I was like, I thought of you immediately because I was like, you think about food. Like, all the time. She yeah. said, Cat, she said, I wake up and in bed, when my eyes open, I'm already scanning the refrigerator in my mind. Like, yeah. what's in there? What am I gonna get to? Yeah. And then, like, she and then the minute she's having breakfast, she's already planning dinner, like in her head, right? Yeah. Like, where are we going? What are, and she's like, I have to like be careful with my partner because I don't want him to think I'm nuts because I'm yeah. always like, But what's it gonna be? What's the dinner gonna be? Yeah. You know, and and I feel for people. Yeah. I, I said to her, I said, I said, is that something you would want help with? Like, you know, because I don't want to assume that she wants help. But I'm like, is that something you want to help with? And she's like, let me think about that. And I said, just I asked the question. I said, you spend so much time and energy in your day thinking about food. If you didn't fill up your time and energy thinking about food, what might you replace that way. What other thoughts? What other, you know, like what else you could do with your life? So I know it's very real for so many people. Can you describe some of the various types of needs in your clients and what you're seeing in people and how you kind of approach that.
0: Yeah. And I love what you said at the end where it's like, how would you fill that space? Right. And that's often what I share with women that I first start working with that are considering working with me. I'm like, what if I could give you all those hours back in your day? Yeah. And for some, that's really exciting. For others, it's kind of like, it's, it's scary. Cause it's like, what would I fill my time with? Because all of this, especially orthorexia, which it sounds like your friend might be uh, might be struggling with, is there's something that sort of missle. They feel out of alignment with their path, and food is just this this distraction, right? That we, you know, can build our identity in, and because we're not feeling aligned in our path, right? And that's definitely how it was for me. In terms of, sort of you just not to
1: cut you off, but yeah. define orthorexia again for us. Yeah.
0: So it is essentially an obsession with clean eating. And when I was going through it, it was fairly new. Now I feel like it's mainstream. And yet at the same time, whenever I mention it, people are like, what's that? Mm -hmm. But it's I think so many women, whether they're interested in fashion, style, like just in general, trendy things are suffering with it to some degree because Mm. how can we not be? We're, We're told to, you know, think about food all of the time. And so it can be in a way a a freeing diagnosis in the sense of, for women that feel like they have some sort of food issue going on, but it's like, okay, I don't have anorexia, like I'm not starving myself, I don't have bulimia, like I'm not trying to throw up or whatever, Mm -hmm. but I still feel like there's something going on and, and that's what it is. In terms of what you were saying, in terms of the different things that women are struggling with, for some, yeah, they're willing to put up their hand and be like, you know what, Kiki, like I just wanna stop thinking about food every day, all day long, right? It's like, I'm either thinking about eating, thinking about not eating, or I'm eating, right? right. And that's how I was. I was either literally thinking about eating, thinking about actively not eating, <laughs> or I was eating, right? Ugh. And it literally just consumes you. And so torture. for some, it's torture. For some they're like just yeah, like take this take this away from me. Yeah. For others it's more of like you know what? I've been on all the diets, they're not working. They they're recognizing that they're kind of addicted to this yo-yo dieting lifestyle, but it's not even giving them the benefits anymore. Mm-hmm. And then for some women that I work with, they're simply like I just need to lose like the last 10 pounds and regardless of what diet I try, it will come back. And, and that's oftentimes because they're lowering their metabolic like set point because of deprivation, et cetera, et cetera. And so those are sort of the different areas of, of women that I work with or the different areas of struggles. And again, it, it does come back to a, a very structured, intuitive eating program whereby you relearn the boundaries of your body, which I say there are two, and that's hunger and taste. So you're really tapping back into letting hunger be the judge of when you're eating and then taste actually choosing foods that taste good to you which is usually the scarier part for women because there's that feeling of like if it tastes good it might be naughty or like i need french fries every day all day (laughs) my diet would consist
1: of only french fries and cheese just kidding
0: (laughs) (laughs) exactly but that
1: is the fear right it's it's
0: something it's Uh like oh no it's chocolate cake or it's you know fries or whatever but the thing is is if you genuinely believe that you could have french fries every single day Eventually, like and maybe pressure. it would be the third day, but probably it would be the second day where you're like, Okay, I'm ready for something Next. else. Yeah. Right. And right. it's it's the clear example of once we tap into abundance and take ourselves out of deprivation, we naturally just crave what it is that is good for us. And so we don't have to think our way there. We can actually feel our way there. But that's scary because there's some underlying belief that it's like, oh, no, if I if I follow this, my feeling, then I might get fat, unhealthy, like, you know, put in the word there that, that ultimately most women, that's what it is, even if they don't want to admit it. It's like, what's your fear? I always ask them at the beginning, they're like, oh, well, I just, you know, I just want to be healthier. I'm like, tell me the truth. What is your fear? Right. Like, just tell me. And once we get down to it, they say, well, Kiki, I just don't want to be fat. I'm like, "Okay, Um, if you always just ate when you were hungry what you wanted and then stopped when you felt good, do you think that you would be fat? And they're like, well, no. Like, "Okay, then let's do this.
1: (laughs) It's pretty astounding, isn't it? I I have to thank my mother, I think, for I've talked about her on this show a lot. And sometimes I'm not thanking her. So (laughs) I'm going to give her a big shout out because I remember watching her eat growing up, although she wasn't a big cook and I nor am I, I I followed in her footsteps. We are not great in the kitchen, but I remember watching her eat and she, she kind of subscribed to what you're explaining without the title of intuitive eating. Like I remember she was very busy. She was a single mom. She was working really hard and she would just have like little play, like she would be hungry And then I would see her have some cottage cheese and maybe some crackers. She'd throw, you know, whatever else in there, maybe some tomatoes, and then she'd be done. Like, there was actually something, I think, quite advantageous, you know, not being in the kitchen for three hours and big meals and all this stuff. Like, it was just kind of like food was fuel, and that was nice, but there wasn't any huge symbolic pressure associated with it and 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 she was always slim i mean i will say like and she's always been incredibly healthy and it was never like we don't do this that's gonna kill you or we have to do that you know there was never any real massive like obsession about anything to do with food and while i've joked on this show about like well my mom didn't teach me to cook or my mom burns toast which she might (laughs) but in many ways that was kind of healthy. That's exactly
0: like normal, healthy eating, right? You're in the the movement of your life. I always talk about food like this. So food is a break in life when you're stopping and pausing, and then everything else is you moving in life, right? And so you're in the movement of your life until you feel this, this hunger pang of like, oh, I need to stop now, like I'm getting hungry. So as we say, food is fuel, right? So we have to pause, take a break, tap into, okay, what feels good for me? Cottage cheese and crackers. I'm gonna take a break, stop eat it and then I'm going to close that eating occasion and therefore get back into the movement of my life. That is normal eating and that is how you are slender. I'm not saying that we're all meant to be, you know, French models and super skinny, but the body doesn't want to carry excess storage, Mm. right? Excess storage is if we're going into a famine, you know, it's we don't need it. And so if we're always just tapping into hunger, because Mm. hunger is the key to weight loss into being slim, then that's all we need to do. And instead, we bury our heads in, oh, I need to be gluten-free or, oh, I need to either be fasting or I need to be always grazing or I need to be this and that. Mm -hmm. And we totally miss the point, which is like, why don't you just wait until you're hungry, have something that you like, and then move on. And it sounds so simple. But the good news is, is we're all innately built for that. And so I always like to say it's like a relearning. It's not like a, a learning. I'm not teaching you anything that you don't already know. And that's why it's also very quick. It's very fast to kind of get back into it because it's this innate knowing within the body of like, oh, it can be this simple. I just... Wait for hunger. I'm like, mm-hmm.
1: It's kind of like <laughs> the body's intelligence. Yeah. That goes back however far, right? Like exactly. I'm thinking of the hunters and foragers, like totally. You just, you know, they, they got hungry. Yeah. <laughs> they found the solution. They found the food. Exactly. It's important. Yep. But it wasn't like the nobody was sitting around all day. I mean, Eating. listen, do you think because I think about the American diet, mm-hmm. I I would think that the way food gets to people makes it harder for them to to live like this in that like even intuitive eating there's so much processed food Mm -hmm. and like that's such a majority for like you know that's like that's overwhelmingly like we're tipping the scales in america compared to like most places on one the quality of food and two portions are pretty big here. Like you're talking about like eat till you're full. Like that's why I look at plates at restaurants in America and I'm like, are you kidding me? Like that would feed a family Family. of three on like (laughs) one plate. It's crazy. Exactly. I I feel like people probably, even with the best intentions, like you're saying and teaching them bump up against those challenges.
0: Yes. With that said, so here's the thing. I don't like to label like, oh, you know, processed food is bad necessarily. Okay. I'm, more so, I'm more so like to say, okay, well, wait for hunger and then see what you really feel like. Because mm. here's the deal. When we're truly hungry, do we feel like a bag of Doritos? No, we mm. probably feel like, you know, some chicken and rice and broccoli or I don't know, like a balanced meal, right? With that said, if you're, if your habit has been to eat this fast food, yeah, maybe when you get hungry, you'll have this instinctual like, oh, well, now I want fast food. Okay, sit with it. Be be present to the fast food. Really, we have taste buds not only in our mouth, but all over our body. Really explore and get curious, how is that food making you feel? And I never have to discipline my clients into, into thinking a certain way because they always come back to me and they're like, oh, actually, you know what? Like, Kiki, that doesn't feel good. Like, it, I, I realized as I was eating it, it wasn't, it wasn't doing it for me. And I'm like, yeah, but that is you in abundance. That is you coming from a place of self-love and respect. It's not coming from a top-down, oh, fast food is bad because once we do that, we're going to want the fast food. So I never say like, oh, okay, well, no fast food or... Even some of these mindful eating coaches that are like, only eat whole foods. I'm like, you're still putting your clients in deprivation. They're still going to want the non-whole foods. So I say, eat whatever you like. Eat whatever feels good for you. And once we truly tap in, you're only going to want, occasionally, you know, you might want a croissant, but are you going to want the processed croissant from Costco or are you going to want the croissant from like France or that nice bakery? Exactly. In which
1: case (sighs) you're fine, right? So right. That is so interesting. Yeah. <laughs> that is so <laughs> wow. And
0: in terms of portions, I mean, you even mentioned eat until you're full. And I don't even like that verbiage. Okay. I like the the word balance. Okay. Eat until you feel neut- neutral. Eat until you feel ready to move on into the movement of your life. When you feel full, like, You You know, if I say, yeah, yeah, like if I say, oh, do you want to feel full? No one really wants to put up their Mm -hmm. hand. They're like, that sounds kind of right. Mm -hmm. So you want to feel balanced. And that's difficult if there's any food rule that's operating in your in your world, for instance, now with intermittent fasting becoming trendy. I so I see it all the time, women overeating dinner because they're like, oh, having an early dinner and I can't have snacks afterwards. So there's this like this feeling of like gotta get it in while I can. And so again, we drop the rules and I'm like, you can always eat when you're hungry. It's fine. And guess what? Then it's easier to stop at balance, knowing the next time I get hungry, I can eat again. Right. It's using these new, new beliefs like I have my whole life to eat, right? It's or, you know, if I'm hungry, I can eat. And guess what? Sometimes later on they'll have a small snack, it's all good. Or they don't. But again, it's coming from a place mm-hmm. of love and respect and calm versus
1: from a place of like, I don't eat at late at night because that's unhealthy. <laughs> yes. And when you say to eat to a place of neutrality, yeah, is that kind of like, I'm trying to like imagine what that feels like for people that's basically no longer hungry because you say eat when you're hungry. Yeah. And then as you're eating, just when you're, you know, that feels as if, That's been solved. Yeah. Stop. Exactly. Walk away. Move again. Exactly. And
0: I say it differently for different clients, the Mm -hmm. clients. So if you're listening to this and you struggle more so with deprivation and you feel like you're always really restricting yourself, then I'll say eat until you feel fully satiated. You're allowed to feel fully satiated with your meal. With women that tend to overdo it with food and they're overindulgent, I'll say eat until you feel energized by the food and ready to move into your life. It's a nice feeling of balance. It's almost like you don't feel your stomach anymore. And again, that can be difficult if you're so used to always stretching your stomach, but oftentimes that's coming from a place of rules. It's coming from a place of, oh, well, this is healthy so I can eat as much as I want of it. Or, oh, well, I'm not going to, you know, I'm going to intermittent fast, so I'm going to not eat for X long, you know. And I'm like, no, 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 it's just about not stretching your stomach. That's, Mm -hmm. That's health, right? Because overeating, Healthy food is not healthy, right? Right, Overeating causes inflammation. And so it doesn't matter if it's, you know, Reiki-infused, you know, blessed kale from (laughs) your grandmother's garden. If you're overeating it, it's not good for you.
1: Yes. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. That's so funny. We we often hear about our relationship with food being tied to our childhood. We often hear like, you know – when did you form your your relationship with food? And what did that look like? And was it healthy? And I was sharing a little bit about, you know, my experience in my family. Do you think, you know, that's super relevant, you know, when you speak with your clients? Is it like the psychology of how people, you know, how they got this kind of food addiction to begin with yep. or how, where does that play into all this
0: so it's very unique to the client and i always i'm a firm believer in if it's not an issue let's not dig it up i'm not here to be like oh my goodness your childhood let's go into all your trauma yeah. there there's very likely some something that happened in childhood that you've now taken into your adulthood in terms of your relationship to food. But the good news is, is oftentimes we don't have to fully understand it to heal it. And I think that can be very empowering because Mm -hmm. I think hearing like, oh my goodness, that's based on my childhood trauma, can sound overwhelming or intimidating of like, oh my God, I have to go back and solve all of that. The good news is, is like, let's bring you back to hunger and taste and that will solve everything. It's like and being present, being exactly. in the
1: moment, like bring it back to the now. Exactly. And, and if what it. comes
0: up you know, yeah. it'll come up naturally of like, oh, you know what? I mean, for me, there was always this rush to eat. I, my dad's Greek and I was raised with with Greek family and there was always this sort of like rush to get as much in. And, you know, I, I just had to catch that and be like, oh, wow, Kiki, what's the rush? Right. And, and realize, oh, I'm rushing. There was nothing super traumatic attached to it. But I just had to acknowledge and, you know, slow down. And so I think that, yes, there is a lot of childhood, you know, stuff that plays into it. But I don't like to present it in that way, because I feel like that can just overwhelm women. And the good news is, is like, once you get back to hunger and taste, the childhood trauma will come up. You can see it. You can move on. So we don't necessarily need to dig into all of our previous problems Yeah, <laughs> to move forward. Yes. You know?
1: But <laughs> so like I'm thinking of breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I mean, is that just do you not even pay attention to that? No. At all it's done off the off the table and now the table <laughs> so yeah so timing
0: with food is a common theme that i see amongst the the women that i work with so it's like oh well of course i have to eat something before work or like oh i have to eat something after i work out or or before i work out or whatever it is or it's or it's noon so i have to eat something and like i'm like waiting to hear that word i'm like wait a second hunger i'm waiting for hunger right and oftentimes we eat not a, like I really encourage everyone to stop and think are my eating patterns aligned with my hunger patterns because if that is not the case then i am not eating in order and i have some some eating issues to explore and so if that happens to be 8 a.m 12 p.m and 5 p.m and that's exactly when you get hungry awesome have your breakfast lunch and dinner but for many of us it's not and especially for women we have different hunger patterns based on our 28 day cycles. So there's certain days when, you know, we're eating more often and we're more hungry and we're taking in more food. And then there's other days that we're not. And there's other days that we might not even eat at all. And that's okay. Right. Because everything gets balanced out. I think it also comes back to a lot of the times women are trying to act like men in the sense of men work on a 24-hour hormonal cycle where it makes sense for them to eat the same, eat the same amount on a a similar rhythm. Women, it's not the case. Mm. And so, you know, I often say like, stop trying to be like a man, (laughs) like just surrender into the flow of, you know, sometimes you'll be eating more, sometimes you'll be eating less. And that doesn't mean that anything is wrong. It actually is probably just you getting back
1: to your rhythms, which Mm. is beautiful. Just that giving yourself grace. I mean, because I'm definitely guilty of that. Like I think about that time of the month and how, you know, I know I'm not imagining that I'm like suddenly famished (laughs) and I'm like hungry. And I just, it's like, I can tell my body is asking me to feed it. And it, it is that key thing of listen to your body you know totally listen
0: and in that period before as we're coming up to our period literally yeah that's actually the time that now if we look at different for instance there's how to fast like a girl which is a book that i recently read and she talks about how the period leading up to your menstruation is actually the time that you should absolutely not be fasting right and It's like, oh, wow, like now science is backing up all of these intuitive knowings, right? Mm. But then oftentimes when we're on our period and with a lot of the women that I work with, they'll say like, I, I don't really get that hungry. I can go a long time. And again, this this Dr. Mindy, she says like, actually, when you're on your period, that's actually a really great time to fast, wow. right? And so again it's like once we really tap in and honor what's coming up for us it's probably going to be the healthy thing anyways so we don't need to always be head down right we don't need to be thinking from our head brain all the time we have a stomach for a reason and getting back to what you said about your friend where she's always thinking about eating i remember my coach told me this she goes well because in your your stomach can feel full right and therefore you stop you know, feeling like you need food. But in our head, we don't have a stomach. And so it never gets turned off. And so there's literally just never that switch that's like, hey, you can stop thinking about food now. And so when you're making decisions around food from your head brain, like you're in for a long haul (laughs) of always thinking. And it's a beautiful thing when you can finally tap into your stomach because then you can actually just live your life. And when the thoughts come up, It's about reminding yourself, wait a second, I don't need to think about eating. I have a stomach and it's going to viscerally alert me when I need to start thinking about hunger. And for those listening and you're like, oh, but what about when I randomly get super hungry? actually, that's not hunger. Hunger is a slow build. And you might randomly feel super stressed, but we don't need to blame everything on hunger. Mm. And so it's really recognizing, am I stressed? Am I sad? Am I anxious? It's not, you know, it's not hunger necessarily. And we can't use food to fix all of our problems.
1: Preach. I know. I (laughs) wanted to get to emotional eating. And that's a great segue because I do That is a very real, real thing for so many people. I mean, and you think about all of the various addictions that many people have, whether it's alcohol or sex or food, but food fills something for people. And it it numbs something for people. And I can sit back and think about during the pandemic where my Jenny's ice cream deliveries were coming (laughs) at a very rapid rate. (laughs) And I have to tell you, Kiki, I wasn't hungry, right? I just... It was it was filling me up in a way that I, I was craving at the time. So emotional eating is, is, you know, a lot of people struggle with that. It's a thing.
0: Yeah. So here's the deal. There's this thing called multiple brain integration technique. Um, Mbit is a really great book for anyone who's interested. And it's really about creating coherence between the head, heart, and the gut brain. And the thing is, is the gut is known to hold the core identity right? And food essentially acts as a buffer between you and life, right? And so think to like spiritual traditions that fast, right? Why do we fast? We want to be more raw, present, available to life, to spirit, all of these things. When we don't feel in alignment with our path and our purpose and our identity, guess what? Food is a really nice buffer. And so that's oftentimes what happens. We just, it's like, oh, I could be totally 100% present to life or I could have this nice in-betweener between me and life that doesn't necessarily feel so great. And, you know, especially getting back to the childhood thing, if we've developed these habits around, oh, well, when I feel sad or whatever, I'm going to use food to comfort me. It's really, I get my clients to ask themselves, well, if you know that you're not hungry, I want you to ask yourself, what would I do if food didn't exist right now? You need to consider it because, and this isn't being restrictive. It's simply being like, there's a deeper problem that you can either solve or you can intentionally decide to not solve. And I think this is important to say because as women, we feel like We don't even want to consider the actual problem because then there's this feeling of like, well, then I'm going to have to fix it. I'm like, no, you can also decide to not. You can intentionally decide to procrastinate. But the point is, is you can have the problem and feel bloated and heavy, or you can have the problem and feel
1: balanced either way, the problem is going to be there. (laughs) Whoa. So So deep. So true. It goes back to that whole feel your feelings, because if you don't, you're continuously numbing and stuffing and the problem's still gonna be there. Yes.
0: And it's about finding something that's more appropriate. You know, it's, I go through with with my clients, like, are you using food as transition? Sometimes we use it as transition between tasks. Are you using it as Mm -hmm. activity? Are you using it as achievement? Like, what is it that you're using for outside of hunger? Because food Mm -hmm. is to care for the physical body when hungry. If you are using it for any other purpose, you are doing a disservice to your body and you are ultimately sort of sacrificing the abundance of pleasure in your body. We think that dieting is like, ugh, right? But it's like, no, I'm, I'm not about that approach. I'm about how can we get you feeling good all of the time? And if you're hungry, food makes you feel good. If you're not hungry, it's food is taking away from the abundance of pleasure in your body. And maybe you need to take a break. Maybe you need to go listen to a song, put some hand cream on that smells good. Like we have other senses for a reason. Yeah. And taste is is not the only one that we can utilize.
1: Yes. God, I'm learning so much. I feel like I'm in church. (laughs) I want to talk about control because I think that piece is another big reason sometimes that leads to eating issues or concerns with people. And I'm even thinking of children. And I know this may or may not be your expertise, but I'm thinking about... I I think of so many parents who are struggling to get their kids to eat healthy, quote unquote, right? And like there's all this pressure on you're looking at your offspring, you want them healthy. We're in a, again, kind of like a society that celebrates, you know, cookies and juice boxes and lunches at school that we just know aren't nutrient dense. So like we worry like our kids are going to be sick or whatever. And then you see kids completely rebelling and yeah. being like, you can't force me to eat anything and I'm not going to eat those peas. And yeah. then they, it's like this chronic, it's just a cyclical thing and parents yeah. and children and they're fighting. And then I've witnessed through kids I know in my own family and life and friends where they just, food, they get so focused on the food yeah. because then they feel like it's almost like I have the power. It's yeah. like a control thing where it's like, this is one thing I can actually control and 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 all of this it's just like it it spirals in it I, I don't know, you know, it could be dangerous like down the line I think for them I worry like how's that going to look as they grow into young women totally. and their, and how they approach eating absolutely Like how do we get in there when they're young and try to do our best to support the little people so they do grow these good habits That's the thing. And it's so interesting because children
0: know how to eat intuitively, right? So we don't need to teach them. We just need to be super conscious to not teach them the wrong thing. And so using verbiage like, oh, well, you know, is there room in your stomach? Well, what would you feel like right now? And the thing is, is if we're giving them abundance of choice, generally speaking, as long as there's no deprivation attached to it, and therefore, and by deprivation, I mean, there's no rules around like, well, you're not allowed this, you're not allowed that, because that'll naturally make them want it, then they will make overall nutrient dense choices. I think that it's super key to, it gets back to the gut holds our core identity. And when we don't feel like we have total and complete choice, We aren't living within our identity. Mm. And so, by taking away choice from your children by telling them they can't eat this or they have to eat now because it's dinner time or whatever, Mm -hmm. you're literally training them out of feeling their human self, right? Exactly. And I totally understand and I'm not a mom, so I can't speak with complete empathy here, but I do, I sympathize with the, the moms that are like, but I don't want them to make unhealthy choices or, you know, but then their kids eat, their friends eat, you know, this crappy food or whatever. And it's like, you do have to just really honor like, well, what is it that you feel like? And, you know, is there room in your stomach? And, you've got to trust that eventually they'll come back to eating healthy foods right like i was speaking with one of my clients and she was saying how her son is like obsessed with bagels and she's like oh my god like i i was so like you know it's like he always just wants a bagel blah blah and i'm like well then just let him have the bagels because i doubt that he's gonna want a bagel every day for the rest of his life right and as soon as he feels like he can have the bagels occasionally he's going to want a bagel and then occasionally he's going to be like I think I want something else yes. right and so the letting more it go that we a grip, little. yes exactly
1: exactly the more that we grip the
0: more it makes we, it worse and it's the scariest thing like yeah. to surrender I can't imagine being a parent and needing to surrender it's yeah. hard enough for ourselves well
1: we learn more about ourselves I swear I always say that about raising kids it's like yeah we teach them but they're really just continuing to teach us totally. about ourselves as we go totally I want to talk social media just a little bit because because, you know, everybody listening to this is surely you know on all the platforms, and we there's so much information about food and wellness. Yeah. And body image that yeah. I think contributes to probably a lot of the women who are struggling and have the problems. It's this yeah. this comparison piece, right? Yeah. Where, you know, they're coming to you and saying, well, I just want to be thin, but yeah. but why is that? You know, is yeah. that for you or is that because you want to look like a Kardashian or yeah. is that, you know, where is that coming from? So, yeah. you know, how, how do you feel about what is out there and what's being, you know, served up to... Yeah a lot of young women, a lot of teenage girls, and who are forming and shaping their own identity of of body love. Yeah. And so
0: here's the thing. I think that what I'm going to say might be a little bit shocking, so to speak, in the sense of I'm not... One of those intuitive eating coaches that are like, oh, it's ridiculous. We're all trying to, you know, I don't know. There's this anti-diet culture that I feel like is really aggressive and negative And mm-hmm. I never want to be on that side, so to speak. I think that it's fine to want to be beautiful and to want to be slender and all of those things, as long as you can appreciate that your body is completely unique to you. And so I always just have this real conversation with the women that I speak with, which is like... Okay, do you want to totally change your form or do you just want to be, you know, a more slender, energized version of yourself, right? Because that's possible, changing your bone structure and, you know, your body design not so much, right? And for most women, once they are really real with themselves, it's like, "Okay, well, I just want to be the most beautiful version of myself," right? And I think sometimes we just need that reminder of like, "Oh, wow, well, I find that really beautiful." but I also know that that's not necessarily me. And so I like to just say like, take what resonates and, and, you know, take what inspires you and leave what doesn't, you know, take this information, even whether it's about body image or whether it's about, you know, even diets or recipes, et cetera. It's like, just take it all with a grain of salt, try it on for size for you. And then you know move forward in your own individual way i i don't think that wellness culture is so toxic and devastating i used to to be honest kat Mm -hmm. i was so like oh my goodness we need to all unsubscribe from all of this Mm -hmm. but now i i realize that it's like once you truly heal your stuff you can you can consume it in a way that's like it it can inspire you versus trigger you and i think that There's so much now around like oh my god, God forbid you say the word thin or like you know you say the word you know like oh like you compliment someone's figure because then you're trying to push like oh then we all need to be like that. It's like oh my god, are we so at this place where everything is triggering? Oh my god, it's triggering. I know. (laughs) No, I,
1: I that's so well said. And as someone who like speaks for a living. Let me tell you it's it's quite difficult because you feel like you can't speak because you're yeah. just gonna constantly be offending somebody. Yeah. One way or the other. Yeah. That's a that's a really, really healthy approach. It's like get to healing yourself and you're not as triggered and it it all kind of just rolls off of you if you are already getting right with yourself. Oh my goodness. That is very, very, that's very true.
0: It reminds me of, I love Lacey Phillips and to be magnetic, she does manifestation work and she always says that if something is triggering you or making you feel jealous, then it's only because there's this piece of you inside that it's it's highlighting a shadow inside of you Mm -hmm. that like there's something within that that you want, right? And so whenever I see people saying like, oh, well, that's ridiculous. Like it's these people are, you know, saying about being thin or whatever. It's like, oh, well, obviously there's deep down a part of you that is unhappy with your your body. And that's Mm -hmm. why it's making you so upset. (laughs) And so, you know, look within. And now when I see, you know, different shapes and sizes, it's because I've healed my own stuff. It's not, it doesn't make me feel insecure. It makes me feel inspired. And I think that's a beautiful thing because we're all different and I can appreciate different aesthetics, different diets, all of these things without feeling like I'm being threatened. I'm
1: thinking of Ozempic. Oh yeah. <laughs> I feel like we can't not talk about that Ooh. somewhere in here because yeah. that's new. Yeah. And it's prevalent and it's yeah. kind of everywhere. And we're, we're just kind of watching people shrink away right now who yeah. don't have diabetes, but yeah. yet are doing it because they want to look and in- Maybe feel a certain way. I don't know. Thoughts, feelings, takeaways. Run to the hills. Are are we? I mean, also just like are people going? Are we going to hear like terribly catastrophic things about people's health after this? Like I don't know. I I just. I really hope not. I, I do want to give the the encouragement
0: that I don't think that we need to spend all that money on a drug that could actually be giving us quite a quite a few negative side effects. Really, if we look at the benefits of Ozempic in the sense of why people are on it, it's because it reduces their hunger. Right, that's the key, right? And and actually I was working with a client and she said that she used to be on it and I was like, "Oh, interesting. Like tell me about it." Mm-hmm. And she was saying like I just would never get hungry. And and actually that's my approach. It's not never getting hungry, but it's actually just taking yourself back to a place where you're only eating when you are truly hungry and really ask yourself, "If I only ever ate when I was truly hungry and took out every other eating occasion in my day, that I was eating when I wasn't hungry, would I lose weight? Likely, the answer is yes. If you're carrying excess, so you can spend a thousand dollars a month or a week or however much it is on Ozempic, or you can literally just take away all the times that you're eating when you don't need to be, and that will probably bring you all of the benefits without the scariness of taking a drug. And I don't, you know, I I don't like to bash anything. So if, you know, you choose to be on it, it's ultimately your choice. But know that it all comes back to hunger. I think so many women are so overwhelmed with all of these different diets that it can be super appealing and attractive to just be like, oh, my God, I can just take a pill and lose weight. I get it. Right. But remember that it's not about the diet, the food, the timing, whatever. It's about hunger. And again, that can be triggering for some people because they're like, oh, no, don't don't be teaching women to starve themselves. I'm not teaching women to starve themselves. I'm teaching them to tap into hunger because hunger isn't a bad thing. Hunger is healthy and we're meant to feel hunger. It's not a bad thing. It shouldn't be an emotionally triggering time. Hunger is healthy. Get comfortable with hunger and you're going to get the benefits of Ozempic or whatever it is that you want.
1: (laughs) Well, it's so interesting because... Ozempic is essentially like the result of Ozempic is what you're teaching. It's like that's the shortcut, expensive version, exactly. Or you can, by the way, here's what's available to all of us. Yeah, exactly. And it's free. Literally. And here are the tools, and this is your roadmap. And by yeah. the way, same result. Exactly.
0: And then you don't have to worry about taking your pill, and you can spend the money on like hot clothes
1: that you're gonna wear when you feel great. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> wow. I am just obsessed with all of your teachings and your (laughs) energy and your light, and I want to tell everybody how they can find you because- I know you do some classes, you do some coaching, you do some master classes. How how does the business work, and how can they find you? Oh, thank you. So right now, for
0: the most part, I'm working with clients one on one, and I'm on Instagram, Kiki underscore Athanas, very Greek name, very shortened, and my website is Kiki Athanas, and yeah, I take women on a on a journey one-on-one where I teach the exact method that I learned to really get back in touch with my hunger and satiety and clean out the, what I call the non-value-based beliefs that are getting in the way of you just eating normally. Because again, although it sounds boring, that's the way (laughs) to be healthy, to be slender, to all of these things. It's actually just getting back to this innate normal way of eating. And yeah, it's, it's so rewarding to Mm. be able to share this because I think we all, we all teach what we need to, what we needed to heal at one point. So it Mm. feels like it's really come full circle.
1: Mm. How long, if someone's listening, you know, and thinking, I don't know if it's possible. Can I be fixed? I feel like this is unfixable. Like what, you know, I'm sure it's all over the place depending upon the client, but like how soon could someone start to feel different? Oh my goodness. I'm so happy you asked
0: because it's literally not all over the place within Mm. two to three weeks. they will have literally for the most part a healed relationship to food that's the beautiful thing that it doesn't take long and I know because I was in the thick of it where I was like poster child for orthorexia for gut issues everything and once you come back to hunger and satiety and taste, it does not take long. So if you are listening to this and you're like, oh no, but I'm a lost case, know that literally by this time next week, you could feel entirely different. And whether it's working with me or working with someone else, like it's it's I'm not trying to do a pitch for like, oh, because of my method. Once you get back to hunger and taste, it does not take long. The body is so resilient. If you have a stomach, you're good. Like you've got all you need and it's oh my goodness that's what i love sharing as well it doesn't have to be a long hard you know road ahead it can be transformational within a matter of weeks it's exciting wow
1: wow <laughs> wow well wow, wow. okay one last question a total aside yes. but i just remembered as i was deep diving on my kiki life i i thought i saw you pitching maybe a masterclass or something that really wasn't food focused, but it was more about like neuroscience and manifestation. Yes. Because I am super on that grind right now. And then I saw that that's like something that you teach or are studying. And what, what, what you doing? Oh, thank you for asking. Yeah. Yeah,
0: So I also do visualization group programs. Visualization has been something that I didn't realize that it was a part of my life for so long, but I've always been an avid daydreamer. (laughs) I, and I feel like I recognize now going more into the science behind visualization, that everything that I've brought to my life was actually through visualization, aka daydreaming. And and I do incorporate that into my work with clients, especially those who are looking to lose weight, really tapping into the energy of what it is that you how you want to live how you want to look all of those things again it can sound woo woo but once we operate on the wavelength the energy the vibration of what we want we get it and yes there's a method to do that but for anyone listening now that just wants to like tap into it i mean the next tomorrow morning, wake up and ask yourself, like, if I was living the life that I genuinely wanted, and if I felt amazing about myself, how would I show up right now? What would I eat? How would I, you know, walk to work? How would I do my makeup and start living from that place? And everything changes. It's amazing.
1: Girl, I I know. I hope everybody is listening and wants to like get involved. I, I'm like, man, I am almost 50 years old. I wish I would have known. I mean, I think I actually subconsciously did a little of that. Like like to your point, you say you were daydreaming. Right? Yeah, I've always said like, I've just always been this like eternal optimist and I did do my gratitude journals. I've yeah. always focused on like the positive. I've seen the beauty and the mundane. Like yeah. I am wired like that and I I know that that has served me in contributing to my accomplishments and everything in life but I'm like now that I'm awake to it yeah. I want to like I want to just yeah. It's like being on crack. Right. Exactly. You're like, how can I optimize this? Yeah. That's how I felt when it I wor- realized it really
0: does work. It works. And oh, my goodness. I, I also love I mean, I should pitch myself, but I also really love <laughs> to be magnetic yes. because they do a lot of that. Right. Where it's yes. like they're really merging the science and the and the woo
1: together. And yeah, it works. Yeah. It's crazy,
0: but it works.
1: Yeah. But- and I'm like, you know what? I don't even think it's woo-woo and maybe just because I'm in it and and I used to come from a place where I was always kind of the disclaimer of it sounds maybe too meta or whatever, but it's like, oh no, it's real. That's I don't care thing. how it sounds, right? <laughs> exactly. And take it or leave it. And like, we're all energy at the end of yes. the day. Yes. So if we yes. want to fight that, it's like, okay, yeah. well, I don't want to be in yeah. your energy. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for making the time thank and sharing you. your story and all of this wonderful, interesting information. Thank you. I think it's going to help a lot, a lot of people. Thank you so much for being open to it. Mm-hmm. Lovely to meet you. Everybody, thank you so much for listening. And a reminder, you can catch a brand new episode of It Sure Is a Beautiful Day every Tuesday. Please don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. And of course, I'd love to hear from you. So leave me a rating and leave me a review. Also, follow us on social media for all the behind the scenes action and more info. That's at Sadler on Instagram and at...